that's what I'm gonna do I got the same old shoes with a new attitude Why would I sing the blues for you? Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Rogue Opinions Podcast. I'm Jimmy Baxter, and today I'm being joined by Nathan Greenaway. Nathan, how are you? I'm real good. Thank you, Jimmy. How about you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Uh, about 50-50 after watching Stomping Grounds, which is what we're here to cover tonight. Um, we are about an hour and a half away from the start of Monday Night Raw um, because, you know, adulting gets in the way. Um and we're going to run through the Stomping Grounds card and get our review going. Um, so, cards on the table. Neither Nathan or I have really been keeping up too much on the weekly television, but luckily their video packages are good enough that with the lack of interesting storytelling, you're able to just sort of catch up with everything just before the, uh, you know, just you're able to catch up with everything just through the uh, packages. But Nathan, you haven't really been watching since Mania. Uh, overall, what was like your your take on the pay-per-view before we get into it uh yeah i actually thought it was really good um as i say i've literally i stopped watching wwe and really wrestling in general after mania because i was just so like i was really just done with it so uh it was a good break but i kind of flicked it on because i was a bit bored last night and then the notification came up on my phone from the wwe app that stomping ground kickoff show just started so I was like, yeah, I'll put that on. And I ended up watching the whole show. So um, they clearly did something, right? Because otherwise I wouldn't have watched it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I didn't know why anything was happening other than the video packages. Uh, <laughs> when I saw that Baron Corbin was in the main event, I was a bit like, okay, nothing's changed. <laughs> <laughs> but I got, to, I got to see Lacey Evans, and um, that's never a bad thing. You got a double dose of Lacey Evans, which we'll get into during the course of this uh, this review here, uh, so what do you say? You want to just jump right into it? Yeah, yeah. Let's jump right. In, let's jump right into it. The kickoff show. Yes, uh, caught uh, you caught the uh, the kickoff show. I'm I'm hoping. Yeah, I didn't watch all the chatter. Um, I kind of like as in just the panel show bit, but I watched all the um, the cruiserweight match, and Absolutely. it was it was blooming excellent. Yeah, so uh, the match on the pre-show was the Cruiserweight Championship match triple threat with Tony Nese, the champion, defending against Drew Gulak and Akira Tozawa. They go about 11 minutes and 20 seconds. Um, you get a lot of fast-paced action, which we've come to expect from the 205 Live guys, especially when they get to be either on the pre-show or on a pay-per-view. Um, Gulak was impressive. Tozawa, everybody got their their chance to shine. Um and in the end, Drew Gulak gets to come away and finally gets the Cruiserweight Championship. Nathan, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I love Drew Gulak ever since he was doing the uh, like the PowerPoint presentations and the no-fly zone, uh, kind of like the politician gimmick. And obviously he went really serious when 205 Live got revamped after the, um, the kind of Enzo debacle and Triple H took it over. Um but I, I thought this match was excellent. I didn't think, if I'm going to nitpick, which I know people tend to like on wrestling podcasts, I thought Tazawa didn't get a whole lot to do. 
but yeah, for sure, it was very much about it. I think you could kind of tell that Gulak was going to go over it towards the end, and uh, um, well, I don't know if it was me being able to tell or me kind of hoping because I was re- I was really into it, and then when he hit the um, it's a big neck breaker thing that he does, doesn't it, for his finisher now? And, yeah, it's uh, like a torture rack neck breaker is what he he hit Tazawa with the torture rack neck breaker. Isn't that Nikki Bella's finisher? That was the uh, the rack attack too. Yeah, the other one was it was just like a torture rack, and then she dropped to her knees. But oh, yeah, yeah she did start after her back. Yeah, yeah. But, um, um, I thought I thought this match was was, was excellent. Though. I thought they always bring it the two hundred five live guys, uh, and yeah, fantastic and nice to see Gulak. Hard work payoff, I think, is what you can say about Gulak kind of getting his moment. Because hasn't he? Um, he's been having some really good stuff with Kushida on NXT. I've not seen any of it, but I hear really good things about like their submission match and everything. Yeah, he had a trilogy of matches with Kushida actually on NXT TV. He also went down there and did a couple other things uh, back a couple couple weeks ago. And it goes to show that WWE is still willing to. Um, you know, like a you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours type of deal where like uh, AJ Styles, he did the whole South American tour and then came in to fill uh, for that match against uh, Finn Balor. What was it last yeah. year, year before? Uh, and then that was TLC 2017. I'm going to go with yes. I think that. it was the one. What was the pay-per-view where they had where they had like the 45 minute insane main event with the Miz v the Shield and Kurt Angle. It was that it was that, that show. Yeah, that was the same show. Yeah, cuz everybody got like meningitis or something. Yeah, cuz Bray and uh, Roman were ill so Kurt Angle was part of the Shield. There's like a a happy uncle. He was like the happy dad who got to get like like involved in like the touch football game that the kids have at a family <laughs> gathering. I remember showing a friend that match. And explaining to them that obviously Kane was in it and uh, that he was running for mayor and he was fighting Kurt Angle, who's a gold medalist. And my friend was just like, wow, so a mayor is fighting an Olympian. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I've, <laughs> been, match, watch- I've been watching. Excellent. I've been watching wrestling for over 20 years at this point, And even just hearing it described that way now, it still makes me laugh that. He's really funny. That, that a guy, a guy nearly fifty years old, who's running for mayor of a town or a county in the United States, is wrestling an Olympian. <laughs> I, it's, I mean, who's who's like for the night part of this like riot, get like riot shield, riot gear wearing faction, and they come through the audience. It's wrestling is insane. Um. I feel like the um, if 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 we're gonna nitpick a little bit, um, I feel like the finish sort of came out of nowhere. Like it sort of seemed like they were told like, "Hey, pre-show's ending in like 20, yeah. seconds, so you got to end like right now, so we could do the wrap up and we can get out of here, so the main show can start." And I think that's I think that's always to jump in. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. Um, I think I can't remember if it was you I messaged or I was messaging a couple of people. I was watching this show, and when Gulak won. They could not have cut away quicker. And you just kind of think, you've got an hour and one match. <laughs> like, come on, guys. Just start the match, like, halfway through the pre-show. Give him 20 minutes. Exactly. Like, I um, 
uh, I you know this because we were messaging a little bit uh, during the pre-show and during the show. Uh, I happened to get coerced by a friend of mine to go to Taco Bell, so I missed the nice. I missed the whole pre-show the first time around. So I went back after the show uh, to you know take notes and stuff. So I went back to watch the cruiserweight championship match, and in my head because I had only seen later on, you get like a clip of. Um, Drew Gulak winning. So I assumed in my head that it was about halfway through the pre-show. So I'm fast forwarding and I stop around 30 minutes. They're still talking. I get to 40 minutes. They're still talking. I get to about 45 minutes. They're still talking. And then all of a sudden at around 51 minutes, boom, there you go. You know, all of a sudden, like late, too late in the show for it to have been of any consequence. They started the match and I was like, oh man, they're fucking, they're, they're really fucking these guys. Um, I get the I get the the point is obviously that I'm presuming that the venue doesn't open the doors until a certain time. And I don't know anything about venue management, so I'm not saying whether I'm not gonna blame the WWE for that and be like, Oh, just open the doors earlier. I'm presuming they have to play by the venue's rules. But surely there's some leeway where A they're gonna want the building as full as possible for these pre show guys because otherwise because do you remember was it a SummerSlam? where it was the Miz's match and he was the Intercontinental Champion and there was like no one in the building <laughs> because they'd only just opened the doors. Um, I think yeah. it was the SummerSlam before, I think it was 2017. And um, you just, so I, I can understand that and I'm not going to point fingers because I don't know who manages that side of something. I presume it would be the venue. But there must be some middle ground where, get people in in seats and then send them out because you don't want to be sending people out to a half full venue because then you are just kind of fucking with them and yeah. it's gonna it's gonna affect their morale but it doesn't need to, surely it doesn't need to start that late in a pre-show that is just it's just like a for the, for the people in America, it's just like an espn panel show for the, most of it yeah exactly and they've been doing these uh pre-show shows for over five years at this point. So you would think that at some point they would get to a certain place where they would have some sort of system down where, Hey, if the building, it, it, whether or not that's the way that it works, uh, cause I'm only slightly versed in way smaller venue like operation. And regardless of what the situation is, is that if they know, Hey, the show is going to start at six, uh, the pre-show is going to start at six, so the building's not going to let us open the doors until five forty-five. Well, then you get the people in at five forty-five. You get as many people in as possible. Which I don't know if you're aware. Do you have you heard what the early estimates are for what the attendance was for stomping rounds? I'd heard through well, kind of the only really thing I've seen about it was listening to uh, Chris Jericho's podcast last week, the funny one that he does with that drama guy. And they, Honest, were kind of, they, were, they were checking the sites and they were saying, hey, this building looks nearly full when they were checking the sites because they were obviously going to rip into it. And then they actually checked and they were like, oh, shit, the building kind of seems like it's pretty much sold out. Well, I hate to I hate to shit talk Jericho, but I did I did put this in the uh, the the chat room, uh, our, our group chat for the podcast that yeah. like if we ever feel bad about any of the content that we put out. Oh, yeah, I saw this. The level <laughs> the level of garbage that that preview was for they they didn't know any of the people's names maybe the joke was lost on me but oh, they that's called the joke they've been doing it for about they've been doing it every now and then for pay-per-views and the joke the joke is and i use air quotes for that 
is that neither of them, A, neither of them care enough to keep up, and B, neither, because it started out as the first one they did, and I know we're massively sidetracking here, so sorry, guys. The first one they did was because Jericho didn't have a podcast for a week, and he was on tour. So he got that Jack Slade guy in to do a random WWE show, and this is before AEW. And apparently it was a massive success. Like Jericho said, it was like in his top 10 podcasts, like ever. So they've just kept doing it, but neither of them really watched WWE. So I think, I think I do agree. I think for me as someone that's listened to all of them, the joke got old on that one. I was kind of a bit like, okay, I don't know why I'm listening to this anymore. <laughs> I wasn't even able to make it through the episode. At one point I was just like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Dude, you are way too old to be playing this sort of fucking game. <laughs> Where you're just sort of you're just sort of burying these guys who happen to stick around in WWE. Like, who the fuck do you think you are? Yeah. A. Fozzie is not that good of a fucking band, so stop pretending that you're fucking Motley Crue. B. You're fucking fifty years old, dude. Stop. And this yeah. this I I get that it's the joke that they don't bother to keep up. Well, then don't do a fucking episode about it. You put two episodes out a week. Do another fucking stupid conspiracy episode with whomever to come in and talk about fucking ghosts or whatever. I don't oh, give a shit. God. Don't make me waste my time and my bandwidth to shit on something because you now work for a different company. I'm glad that you're happy. I'm glad that AEW is looking like it's going to be good. But it just makes this whole culture that's been going on on the internet where... It just seems like most people believe that you either have to love AEW and shit on WWE or vice versa, and it, that just fuels it. I get that the WWE hasn't been a stable place. Like, look, you and I really haven't been watching the TV, but I'm not yeah. coming at this show. Regardless, it, this whole show could have sucked, but I still would have reviewed it and given it a chance. Chris Jericho, who is – honestly, he should be above this. And he's just not. And it's disgusting to see that. And I love Chris Jericho. I have all the respect in the world. He's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. He's one of the best on, on, like, on the face of the planet. But to just go out there and purposefully sound like you're ignorant to the product, then why are you wasting my time? It's not funny. He's giving himself music cues through his phone. <laughs> that was really dumb. That was podcast and he's bitching about how oh youtube has all these ads like what's all with it dude jericho stop just stop go write another lackluster hard rock dad rock album like get out get out of my face i wouldn't be so harsh about it if i didn't exactly know he wasn't gonna listen to this but honestly dude like he should be above it and i'm a little disappointed that like you could that he couldn't even at least keep up with it through clips so he could be at least a little bit worth my download to listen to that. That's why I don't, I mean, the only episode of, of Talk is Jericho I ended up listening to in the last, I don't know, six months is the Moxley one because Moxley talked yeah. the whole episode. Um, all right, so. Yeah. Yeah, just, just to, you can't just end around there. I do kind of agree. I did, I found the first episode that they did genuinely really funny. But I think that's because Jericho wasn't with AEW then. I don't even... This was over a year ago. And it was kind of funny to listen to him because they were actually trying. Um, but yeah, this one, like halfway through... I listened to it all, but about halfway through, I was like, okay, we've we've beaten this dead horse now. <laughs> like, <laughs> this like, joke I... was funny a couple of episodes ago, and I don't know why I'm still listening to it. But yeah, we're not really here to talk about Talk is Jericho. <laughs> I, I'm one of those people who are lucky enough that I can, while I'm working uh, at my, my regular job, my shoot job, brother, um, 
when I'm working my regular job, I can pretty much use my headphones all day. And I don't listen to music. I listen to podcasts. And if I'm at work for eight hours, I got through two thirds, maybe even three quarters of this podcast. And I turned it off and deleted it. And I looked, I looked, I looked for a way to be able to like downvote it. And through the app that I use, you can't downvote it. But holy shit, dude, it was so bad. I think it's when they were, the bit that I, I kind of got really annoyed at is, is when they were doing the Cruiserweight one. And basically, Tony Nese originally, he was on the card. He was always on the card. But until, the la- until one of the last 205 lives, he didn't have an opponent. So they spent like 10 minutes being like, oh, TBA, what a really good worker that guy is. And I was like, okay, guys. <laughs> like Come they, on now. they Come made on them now. they made the mistake of recording that episode before the go home smackdown so they hadn't even had all of the information and then they went out there yeah. and like they put out this like it's it's ridiculous to like i, I don't know we're not here to talk about talk yeah. i could do I a whole episode on that episode end, of the show yeah to end it on that just um just do what Austin's done, because Stone Cold's come back. He's obviously a busy guy. Like I know he spent. I know if you follow him on social media, he enjoys a lot of downtime. Quite clearly, but that's because he made his money and he got out. But um, he's gone down to doing one interview a week, and like wh- whoever he does the podcast with, they still want two a week. So I'm presuming it gets good volumes or gets good um, listeners. So he's just gone down to doing one interview a week, and the other one is a replay of an old episode. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of think, Chris, just do that, mate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, for real. You don't need to do two episodes a week. Like it's it's great that you do, and I'm sure your fans love all the the conspiracy bullshit, which we're not going to get into because I have some those those conspiracy episodes are something else. <laughs> the the thing is too is that like I, I listen I like those like classic album clashes that they have where they either have musicians or wrestlers yeah. or whatever and they talk about each track on two albums by the same band. I think that's a really interesting idea. And like Jericho's not doing that show by himself. So like he can get into a group chat and be like, "All right, so I'm going to have this this you know other asshole on during the week and then we're gonna do another uh, conspiracy episode or we're gonna do uh this during the week because he puts out two episodes a week good on him for all the content he puts out for free i really appreciate that about him that's that's really great but i mean have a little bit of planning and if you don't want to plan out two episodes a week do one one week who cares like like stop just you've got a back Things that aren't available anymore because iTunes there's a limit of the amount of episodes you can have available at any one time. So just 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 do one, and then if the podcast company are insisting on another, just put out a replay of an old one, man. Like stop doing like you're re- you're previewing a WWE show that's on a Sunday and you're recording before all the content's available. And just purposely shitting on everyone, like not even calling, not even calling people by their name. Like they just, I can't remember what he called Ricochet when he was talking about him, but he was just like butchering his name as part of a joke. And like, and I'm not, like, a, I'm not, up, huge, man. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of Tony Nice. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for the guy and whatever, but like, I, and I'm happy that he was champion for as long he was as he was champion. But like, yeah. they kept calling him Tony Nietzsche, which is like. Yeah. 
Like, it's not even fucking close, dude. It's not even close. Um, you know, and th- to, to end on us ripping into Talk is Jericho and how bad it just was. It was just bad. Um, you know, it, 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 it's just that if it gives me hope, like as like a, a, an upstart podcast that we do like on our own, that like if a company like Westwood One is willing to pay Jericho for the bullshit that he puts out some weeks, then like maybe there's a way for us to like make a little bit of money doing uh, what we're yeah. doing. Yeah. Um, so like, let's move on. Yeah, like I said, the uh, the match goes 11 minutes and 20 seconds. Finish comes a little bit out of nowhere with the torture rack neckbreaker, and finally, Drew Gulak is able to hoist the WWE Cruiserweight Championship. And good God Almighty, it is about time. So good for him. Yeah, what I'll say is, uh, although the finish did come out of nowhere, the positive spin that I'm going to put on it is that Gulak went over strong. Like that was that wasn't a triple threat where Tony Nese is just hitting his finisher and Gulak throws him out the ring to steal the pin. That was a Gulak systematically won that match. And I feel like uh, I'm probably not going to carry on watching 205 Live every week, to be honest. But I feel like from watching that finish, Gulak's they put Gulak over strong for a reason because that was it was a dominant win. Yeah, absolutely. And um, they like w- with the, the Drew Gulak win, um, it's it's impressive the, the way that they did it, because Drew, uh, Tony Nese came out in the 205 live colors and there was like little touches here and there. And the only person in this match who wasn't a cruiserweight champion at any point in the history of 205 live was Drew Gulak. And he's changed the most over the course of 205 Live. He's had a really impressive run. I'm at I'm at a point in my 205 Live watching relationship where like if I hear the episode is really, 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 really good, like the one a couple weeks ago was where they they had the fatal four way and um what was it? The Bollywood boys or the the Singh brothers, they had a tag match that was garbage, but like the other two matches were great with Gable and Gallagher and the four way. That ended Wait, in the Gable's uh, uh, on two hundred five live. Yeah, he uh, uh, J- the episode opens with uh, Jack Gallagher coming out for a match, and then Chad Gable's music hits, and he's oh, sport- okay. he's sporting a haircut, he's got tights on, and uh, that was the um, that was like um, the referees are instructed to call the matches like a shoot, so the, uh. he's Jack Gallagher's out of the ring after a spot outside the ring, and he like sort of fucks up trying to get in the ring like his hip hits off the LED board and he falls a little bit and he gets counted out by mistake. Um, and, but the rest of the match, but the match was phenomenal and they like, they got a standing ovation. People were chanting two Oh five. Uh, it was a whole, it was a whole thing. If you do get a chance, I would check out at least that match. Cause that I match will, was really great. That awesome. But then the following week was garbage. So I didn't watch it. So, <laughs> um, so we move on to the show. Uh, proper after 20 minutes of ripping into talk is Jericho. Um, we move on to the show proper stomping grounds, 2019 live from the Tacoma Tacoma dome, uh, in Washington. Um, the last stronghold of the yes movement that gets brought up later on. Um, but as I was saying earlier too, the early indication for paid attendees for this pay-per-view was somewhere between four and 5,000. So woof. Yeah, but, but to be to be the guy that's putting a positive spin on everything, this was a good crowd. 
they were really into like a lot no, of they were, stuff they were going into on. this. Like, they were really they like if you're gonna have a a, sh- a sh- shit house, whether they deserve it or not, I can't speak to. Um, you want a kind of a crowd like this because they were vocal. Absolutely, and that I bring that up a few like in the almost too much notes that I took for this pay per view. <laughs> that that comes up time and time again where. They were chanting for the things that they liked. They were voicing their displeasure with the things they didn't like. Nothing was, like, rude. Or, I mean, granted, we do get a CM Punk chant later on, but, like, Ugh. but like that's to be expected in WWE crowds still, which is fine. It's fine. Um, this, I, I was saying, I think I almost, I think I may have said it to you last night, that um, when I was watching this, it had, like, a takeover light sort of feel to it in certain matches. And I think... Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I think one good thing, and we'll, we'll get into it probably towards the end when we spoke about all the matches, everything was given time. Like, it wasn't like... Normally on a WWE show, you'll have... I can't remember what one it was, but there was one pay-per-view where, like, three of the matches were squashes or were, like, under three or four minutes, but it felt like every single match on this card got time to breathe which is obviously what takeovers are. Takeovers are two, two and a half hours, sometimes two and three quarter hour shows, five, five, maybe six matches, all given a minimum of about 15 minutes. And, and that's what, kind of the vibe this show had for me as well, so I'd agree with that. And what we had here was the shortest match on the card is just over 10 minutes. Uh, every And the longest match went about 20, so it's, you know, it's good to see that... Um, Things were getting a lot of time. They were getting enough time to breathe, but they weren't overstaying their welcome. Yeah, because you didn't have, like, although there's people on this card that could have had 30, 40 minute Gargano, Cole kind of matches, they weren't matched up together. So you're not going to get a a Meltzer five star classic out of Baron Corbin, unfortunately. We will get to that shit, believe me. Believe <laughs> me, I have some thoughts. <laughs> let's jump into my favorite human on the planet. Uh, so opening up the show is the match for the WWE Raw Women's title. It uh, goes about 11 minutes and 30 seconds. Becky Lynch, the champion, defending against Lacey Evans. Um, I'm going to go first here because I know that you have uh, a couple so things to say about Miss Evans. Yeah. <laughs> um, Becky, Becky did what she could with Lacey in this match, I think a little bit, but also this match was sort of hampered by, I don't know, maybe Becky was getting thrown off by Lacey's inexperience or it was, they didn't have enough time to work on it, but there were a few glaring examples of Lacey Evans being more of a character wrestler than a wrestler wrestler. And then Becky Lynch being more of a wrestler wrestler than the other. Um, Becky, Becky Lynch obviously retains here um, after finally strapping on the disarmor, which I don't know if you caught this on commentary, but like she had an arm bar on her. It wasn't the disarmor. It, like Lacey Evans was on her back and Becky Lynch just had Lacey in an arm bar and yeah. Cole was calling it the disarmor. It just threw me off yeah. a little bit when I was watching it. Um, but yeah, so uh, Becky Lynch uh, retains here and I think, I, I, I feel like it was maybe it could have been better if they did, if they had a little bit more time to work on it, I think is the best way I can put it. What did you think? Um, I think what you're forgetting to talk about here is tactics. 
and fuck's sake. <laughs> Lacey playing the character of um, or putting on a gimmick of someone that perhaps isn't on this level really seemed to throw Becky off. Like it reached a point where Becky was um, shouting really loudly what she was about to do <laughs> at the top of her voice, so all four thousand people could hear her say "back elbow." <laughs> I'm gonna do a back elbow, guys. Watch out. <laughs> I mean, coming. it was and Cena Lacey, level. Lacey brilliantly. She's like she, she unfortunately got caught by the back elbow because her ears were still ringing. Uh, but she brilliantly dodged that kick, uh, which is fantastic. And look, the tactic nearly worked. And <laughs> but no, in, in all seriousness, you're probably right um, to swing it back. I think. To be honest, I I thought this match was pretty good, but I didn't have particularly high expectations, which probably helped because I didn't have high expectations for the entire show because I kind of only watched it on a whim rather than actually knowing anything. Um, You're probably right. Lacey's probably not quite there yet. But as I said to you earlier on, on text, like they've taken someone who was used as an enhancement talent in NXT. She wasn't used in any great way. She was in a tag team with someone for a wee bit. And then she had a few singles matches and she was in a fatal four way at some point. And then she was just suddenly on the main roster and asked to be the top heel. And the example, the key example you can use in recent years is taking Jinder Mahal, who was literally a jobber and saying, Hey man, here's the title. Now go have a feud with Randy Orton. And then everyone's like, oh, my God, he's failing. And we're meant to be surprised. Now, I don't think Lacey is Jinder Mahal bad. She certainly got potential and her character is spot on. Um, but I don't think, like, I'm not just saying this as 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 a joke that, oh, my God, I really like Lacey. I'm saying, I don't think Becky was particularly great in this. Like, from what people have been saying, she's the hottest person in the company and blah, 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 blah. She wasn't great, and the shouting spots at the top of her voice, like, that seems like sin number one if you're a worker. Absolutely. You're basically, you're basically saying, hey, guys, this isn't real. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, I do remember, I was sitting uh, with one of my roommates, uh, we were watching it, and uh, I remember saying, like, damn, honey, they can hear you back in the cheap seats. Try and, <laughs> like, drop it down. I mean, there were a couple times where it seemed like, maybe the cameras were too close or like someone in the truck had that microphone, like the microphones up a little too, because you could hear a lot more than you should have. Maybe that had to do with the lack of attendance, uh, whether or not that number is true. Um, but to be positive about it, um, at sometimes both people, both performers did fall, fall a little short, but I feel like the thing that came out of this was, is that even if Becky did lose a little bit of luster, a little bit of shine, she did make Lacey kind of an actual player on the main roster a little bit. Someone you could take a little bit more seriously, regardless of the losses that she's had, because she's tapped her out two or three times at this point. It, Especially if this is going somewhere, and we'll get to what the rumors are about where this is going. But if it if this is going somewhere, this could actually be like some sort of program that actually ends up working in the end. And I haven't had that sort of confidence in the main roster as of late, but who knows? Who knows? Um, I think she'll. I think she'll get there just to keep 
directing because some of the things that I always think about about the female performers or or any performer in general is I think I I remember when I was watching wrestling to begin with and I remember what Trish Stratus was to begin with right and right. then she was now talk about like we say Lacey Evans and Jinder Mahal and people like that were thrown in the deep end talk about someone who was asked to go from a uh I'll say this nicely from eye candy to pro wrestler in literally no time at all you think about Trish Stratus she was a fitness model brought in to be a manager for uh, the brilliantly named TNA and not the and not the wrestling company um that was testing Albert but obviously it had other insinuations to it given what Trish Stratus looks like and um tits and ass we're an adult yes. podcast. You can say it. Tits yeah. and ass. Okay. <laughs> Tits. You feel, you feel better now? You feel better? I feel better. But yeah, and then, um, and then she was suddenly in what, 2000? She was the McMahon storyline in 2000 and then 2001. And suddenly 2002, they were like, oh, uh, Trish, you're actually just going to be a proper wrestler now. So, <laughs> and she had to learn like properly on the So I think Lacey Evans she'll get there she certainly got the talent i don't know i don't think anyone's doubting that i think they're just you expect a bit more from what's humbly called the main roster and uh you're right to expect a bit more you're not wrong to expect a bit more yeah um, and as i i said I, as i said earlier too that uh to you to you guys in the uh the group chat that like i believe that we should be holding everybody on the you know in quotations main roster to a certain standard and they, we should all be holding them to the same standard, whether yeah. or not, you know, Seth Rollins is at the pinnacle of the main roster or AJ Styles or Ricochet or Samoa Joe, or any of these guys are at the pinnacle, you know, there's like a medium ground where everybody yeah. should be held to regardless if they were brought up too early or their booking is crap, or they've just been, you know, all of their televised matches or a majority of their televised matches are, you know, not exactly, you know, convincing or done well, you know, um, and that's not necessarily on one person. So I think the thing that came out of this was that Lacey is now somewhat believable on the main roster. She's yeah. been great on the mic. She knows how to work the crowd a little bit better. And even if Becky did lose a little bit of shine, whatever. I mean, she's with Seth. She's in like the top of her game. He's at the top of his game. They're both like the lead of raw. If you're going to look at raw as a TV show, they're both the leads right now and you can't really ask for much more so yeah, moving on i think, think the the final point that i'll make on this and then we okay. won't is uh there is room for character wrestlers there's 100 percent room for character wrestlers but if you're a character wrestler in my opinion you have to be over to the extent that people will forgive you for perhaps not being the best worker because you look at people someone like elias who wasn't even on this show and um that's a character but he can still put on a good match like it's not going to be we're not talking about a five-star classic but he can still work and pe because he's so good at working the crowd and doing his guitar stick and whatever else people forgive the fact that his matches you're not going to see the match of the night if elias is involved and i, I think that's fair to say but he's over to such the extent that that's forgiven. And I think 
either Lacey's going to improve in the ring to the point that people look past it or her character's going to reach a point that people stop hammering her for perhaps not being the best worker in the world. Uh, yeah. that's, that's, that's all fair. That's all fair, in my opinion. I think that's totally fair. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. Uh, we can talk about character wrestlers another yes. time. Another because. Podcast. Uh, another podcast for another time. So then we we get uh, Paul Heyman gets caught by Dasha coming out of Baron Corbin's locker room um, to build the suspense of whether or not Brock Lesnar will be cashing in or if he's going to be the referee or yada, yada, yada. He, you know, he fucks off briefly, you know, after having a few quick words. And Corbin comes out and he boasts that he's not only he's already figured out who his ref is going to be. He's going to beat Seth. And then if Lesnar gets in his face, he's going to beat Lesnar too. Ha 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 ha. I'm Baron Corbin. Blah, 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 blah. So a quick question for someone that's not been watching the few weeks ago, I saw people saying on Twitter or on the chats or wherever that Brock Lesnar said he was going to cash in Mm. on a raw or something like what, what, what happened, man? Um, okay, so like literally from the time um, Money in the Bank ended to about three, four weeks later, it was literally advertised online, on TV. All they did was hype it on commentary for like three or four weeks that tonight's the night Brock is going to cash in. Tonight's the Brock tonight. Uh, okay. And they just never did it. They or they would say he's going to announce who he's going to cash in on or he's going to cash in or he's going to be in the building. And he would be in the building. He was actually on a few Raws back to back to back. And he was doing that whole Brock party thing. Um, But he never ended up cashing in. He specifically said that he was going to cash in at Super Showdown. And then he tried. And then Seth beat his brains with a chair. And that was pretty much it. And then we've just seen Heyman. Uh, Fair enough. Um, next up, match number three uh, on the whole of the evening. One of my um, one of my matches. What, what, it was up there for match of the night for me. Uh, it's not. We'll get into what our matches of the night are later on. But uh, possible match of the night was the New Day, Biggie and Xavier Woods versus Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens or Cami as they were called last year. Um, in uh, just, you know a tag team a tag team match. They went about eleven minutes and five seconds. Um, before I go on about what I have written down here, what did you think of this match, Nate? Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this. Uh, I love, I, I really like New Day, obviously. Everyone does. But I love Kevin and Sami Zayn. Uh, Sami Zayn's heel character is still fantastic. Ever since he turned heel at that, was it Hell in a Cell uh, event during the Shane KO match, I think he's been outstanding. I love the new design to his tights. I thought that that was really cool. I'd not really, not really seen a lot of Sami Zayn because I knew he was injured, and then I don't even think he was back when I stopped. He might have been. I don't remember. But I thought this was awesome. I thought the start with Kevin Owens suddenly just entering beast mode immediately was really inventive. That's not really something that you see a lot. Super uh, kicks for yeah, everyone for, for days and isolating Woods. Obviously, they're going to isolate Woods because that's kind of his role. Uh, was really inventive. The ending was good, and just the way they, just the way, just the way the match was structured. I think the way it went together, it was kind of different because there was a, 
obviously there's another tag team match to come, so they obviously had to be different from that. But yeah, I thought this was great. The New Day are always fantastic, and KO and Zayn speak for themselves. They don't need me to praise them. There, they we all know how good they are. Yeah, absolutely. And um, like I, I think that like you get these four guys uh, together in a ring. I mean, honestly, they can do no wrong. Xavier Woods and Big E, solid work. They've been together for going on six, seven years at this point as a team. Um, KO and KO and Sammy have been friends for. Going on 20 years, they've been wrestling together the whole time. Uh, I'm a Sami Zayn guy. I love Sami Zayn. I love everything that he does. I wish he'd be in the title picture half the time, or at least like the Intercontinental title or the U.S. title, something. Um, Because I just want Sami Zayn to have the world. I think he's a fantastic performer. And I think it's a great time for them to get a solid win on pay-per-view. I mean, it's, you know, Owens and Zayn team up on Woods from the start. And then they they knock Big E off the apron, which I'm assuming has something to do with like the fact that he's just come off of injury. So they maybe worked the match a little bit to where there wasn't a lot of like overall like shine put on Big E at, from the start because you want to give him a little bit of time to work his way back into being back in the ring because that's a whole different set of muscles that I'm never even even going to be able to find in my lifetime. Um but then when he does come in, he's just bringing the pain. He's just throwing people about, and he's just kicking a whole lot of ass. And then, you know, you get you get uh, Xavier Woods back in there. And then Zayn, Sami Zayn did this thing where he was up in the, like, what is called the up, up, down, down. Like, it, they call it the midnight hour when it's yeah. Kofi yeah. and Biggie, but uh, it's the up, up, down, down. And Sami Zayn gets out of that, pushes uh, Biggie out of the way, and then kicks like big boots, Xavier Woods in the face as he's coming off the top rope. I mean, some of the stuff that they did was awesome. You got all four of these guys down at one point. The crowd's chanting, this is awesome. Um, and then all of a sudden, Stunner, one, two, three, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens get the win. And they finally get this big win on pay-per-view. And honestly, thank goodness, because they've just been getting their faces kicked in since they've come back, essentially. They were gone for nine or ten months together, essentially. And they just... They, they've just been been treated like fodder for the most part. And it's good to see that they actually got a win. Yeah, 100%. Um, I thought this match was this wasn't my match of the night, and I, I'm beginning to get the feeling we're probably going to have the same match of the night. Yeah. Um, I so. But, <laughs> but I, I love the fact that I've, I did know that he was because I'd seen it on Twitter, but KO using the stunner, that's a big thumbs up for me. I love that. Because um, it plays into kind of his everyman kind of kind of persona that he always has. Sami Zayn's fantastic. Woods, um, I know people in wrestling don't really like the using the term underrated, so I'll probably use I'll say undercredited for how good he is because he's always kind of seen as a bit of the weak link of the new day. Um, but he was bringing it. Biggie, I knew he was injured, and I don't know how badly injured he was, but. He kind of bought it, and he looked to go for for looks. He was looking a bit leaner than a biggie usually looks. Yeah, he he, quite um, lean, like he slimmed down a wee bit on the on. Not that he was overweight. I'm just talking about muscle, and obviously because he's just a big brick of muscle. But he was looking lean. Yeah, he was. He was looking really good, and it was good to see him back in the ring. He was out. I think. Uh, I think like a month and a half, two months or something. Um, oh, okay. 
He uh, he had his uh, he had his knee scoped. I think I, I believe he had it, one of his knees scoped. Uh, just and it was an injury that he had been working through for months before that and stuff, which is fine because that with the whole build to Kofi being like getting the championship, uh, Biggie and Xavier really didn't have a lot to do as far as in ring stuff. So he was able to still be on TV and still be Big E. But eventually, he did have to go in for the uh, the, course, the the procedure. Yeah. And I mean, he was. I mean, he was class on on Twitter talking about how he wants to like fuck oh, yeah, his mom <laughs> and all this other shit. Like, um, I did see some of that stuff. So then after after that uh, that fantastic match, Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss are backstage just being best friends. And uh, I'll I'll even send you a picture right now, Nathan, of my notes where I just drew a smiley face next to it because I like friendship in wrestling. Okay, Go for it. Yeah, I really I'd not seen this partnership before, but this seemed really funny. Like this this seemed like something I'd be a hundred percent on board with. Um Yeah, and that obviously led into didn't it was Bailey v Alexa next, wasn't it? Uh no. No. Um uh, what was next? That's what that's what I thought too. I actually just sent you the the, the picture from my notes. Um uh, yeah, they're just backstage being best friends, and it was cool. Their, their little relationship has been... Um, <laughs> I like that. I like friendship in wrestling. <laughs> um, their little relationship yeah. has been fun because a lot of people are speculating whether it's Alexa Bliss being the mean girl still, or Nikki Cross oh, being, being crazy. And like Because Nikki Cross has been very different. She's just she's speaking normally. She's not flying off the walls unless she's like getting in the ring. She's being friends with alexa bliss but we don't know which one of them is going to turn on the other one so it's actually been it's actually been pretty interesting thus far but the next match up was i mean fuck it i'm just gonna say it. this is match of the night wwe united states championship match samoa joe defending the title against ricochet uh they go about 12 and a half minutes here and despite ricochet seeming a little off i mean he even botched his little in his little like backflippy entrance deal um it was i mean this match was just outstanding i can't say enough good things about this match yeah this was fantastic this was also my match of the night this um this is um look, when wrestling's great it's great and it doesn't matter how many stars you want to give it or whether you want to say oh this match is better than this match because blah 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 sometimes wrestling's just fucking awesome uh, this was fantastic. This was big guy, little guy, done to perfection. And um, yeah, I loved it. The only thing I would say is genuinely, I wish they got more time. Yeah, like, absolutely. I would, have liked, I would have loved to have seen some of the time from the Blooming Cage match, which was good, but it's not 2012. And um, given to this, but this was fantastic. Uh, I thought this was awesome. I love Ricochet. Um, I never really saw his indie stuff, but whenever he was in NXT and the ladder match in New Orleans and the match with uh, with Adam Cole for the North American title and things like that, he's always been fantastic. Samoa Joe, I've loved since TNA. Since his TNA days, I've kind of followed him and everything else that he's ever been a part of. Um, I'd got a bit tired of his character from the last time I was watching every single week. Um, because it's kind of been the same for 15 years, arguably. But um, no, this was fantastic. And this was great. And seeing Ricochet win, I didn't expect him to win. I never thought he was going to win. 
until no, he did win. Because one of the one of the most genuine pops I had of the entire night was just this feeling. I've n- I've never met Ricochet. I've never seen him live, like in person. Um, but just the sense of joy that I got from seeing Ricochet's face when he got that three count and he held the title in his hands for the first time. It's just one of those moments where you just Ricochet is just a guy you genuinely believe in. And it's just, it's just so nice to see that, you know, dreams do come true for some of these guys. Like if they're allowed to be what brought them to the dance in the first place, then, then it's just, it's so cool to see, especially, and look, Ricochet and Joe are really successful transitions onto the main roster. When they're able yeah. to deliver on the level that they're accustomed to, Joe is a goddamn gangster. He is a goddamn gangster, and Ricochet's selling is unbelievable, his facials and all. I mean, there was at one point, like, normally Joe is the guy who's doing all the trash talking, but Ricochet did, in the middle of a handspring, handspring backflip into the ropes, he goes, not today, Joe! And I was like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, what are you, fucking Spider-Man? Bringing it. It was, it was insane. It was, yeah, it was, it was so good, and like sometimes when I was deep in the weeds of wrestling, probably like a year ago, where I was listening to everyone's uh, opinions and blah blah blah, so many people were saying about how Joe has uh, slowed down, how he's not the guy, which is true. I would agree with that, but this guy is still a top level performer. Like, yes, he's not 2006 TNA Samoa Joe anymore that i would agree with but this guy is still such a good performer and he's still phenomenal he can still bring it and ricochet is he's you don't need me to say what ricochet is he's i think i heard someone say describe him once as a video game cheat code and i would 100 percent agree with that with that sentiment uh he's he's a different level him and uh, who's the new uh, Will Osprey? Yeah, are yeah. just different caliber of athlete, and it's um, this was fantastic. This was I just wish they got more time, not because it was bad, but because I wanted to see more. <laughs> I really wanted more. I want to see them. Just I, I know. I think someone told me earlier. I think it was Carl uh, told me that apparently they're doing AJ Styles v Ricochet on Raw. And just give them the whole show. Just give them three hours. And f- throw Samoa Joe in there. Why yeah. not? Just fuck it. Forget other stories. Forget uh, Shane McMahon. We don't need him. Just do this for, for hours. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This And, and I'm, I'm glad you brought up uh, Joe's uh, TNA run because this was one of those matches that reminded me of his X Division title matches or his oh, yeah. title defenses where he was normally because i mean joe's what 260 pounds i mean he's a shorter guy but he's he's a big dude and when he's in there with these smaller guys that can fly around him and bump like crazy for him it like when he when he grabbed ricochet's leg and then did the flip yeah and then ricochet flipped twice and landed on his face i was just like or on his like on the back of his neck like i was just like what in the fuck is going on here? Like this match was, I mean, one of the best WWE, you know, not even, I'm, I mean, we, we can't count NXT, but like main roster WWE, this is easily one of the matches of the year. 
so far. Like this match was unbelievable. It did what it was supposed to do where by the end of the match, you wanted to see these two guys wrestle again. You weren't sick of it. You didn't really have anything like to, to complain about. I mean, granted, uh, Ricochet seemed a little bit off at times from where, cause he's usually so pinpoint and so yeah. accurate that it is kind of easier to tell when he messes up. And Joe admittedly isn't where he was in 2006, 2007. But apparently that all goes back to uh, like a match he had with Sting where he sent on him on like some stairs. Yeah, he did. Um, I remember. Did you get that? Was it? Who was talking about that the other day? Was it Cultaholic? Yeah, actually. Uh, I yeah, listened- yeah, yeah. I listened to that. Yeah. I remember watching that match. Yeah, for some, for those that haven't listened to Cultaholic's podcast and or seen the match, for some stupid fucking reason joe decided that him and sting would fight up the stairs of an arena and we're talking concrete stairs and then just do a running jumping back senton that he does the bray wyatt one as well and loads of other people just do it the running senton onto these stairs so obviously you guys listening to this now can imagine the edge of stairs those are they're not as sharp but we're talking 90 degree corners of concrete and he decided to do that. Um, like, I'm not a wrestler, so I don't really like critiquing the actual wrestling side of it, if you guys can't tell already. But I'm going to call that out as what it is, which was fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and um, but, but yeah, he took that. Was a, it was just a horrific one. And it's, when people do, like Samoa Joe does shit like that, but then like, Jeff Hardy does dumb shit all the time. And I mean, they're both still wrestling. So what the fuck do I know? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but but no, then, this was this was phenomenal. This yeah, but then after, after 12 and a half minutes, Ricochet does get the, the three count uh, after the 630 splash, um, which he sold his own move brilliantly. But we can get bogged down and congratulate very, him. Um, that always reminds me, very RVD. Remember when RVD would always hit the five-star fog splash and he would always sell it before he went yeah. for the cover. He would always sell the impact of doing the little scamper off, holding his ribs or whatever. Um, I don't know if that's where he got it from. I'm sure other people did it beforehand, but that always reminds me of RVD for some reason because I would always remember him selling it before covering. So Yeah, and then Ricochet, they actually follow Ricochet back into Gorilla, where he gets, um, like, praise from everybody who happens to be standing back there, Heavy Machinery, Seth Rollins is back there, Carmella, even um, NXT dad Triple H is back there. He gets a huge pop when he shows up on screen, and Triple H gives him the whole, like, like slap on the face, like, hey, bud, you know, you did it, this is it, you know, like, you did, you did good. And, I mean, it was fantastic. Match of the night, by far, by a country mile, as you guys in the UK say. Um, <laughs> Just a final question on, on this. I don't really like getting bogged down in the politics that we don't know anything about. If you had to guess on a percentage, what percentage do you think this win for Ricochet was because of Triple H? 100%. Yeah, I'd 100%. Agree. I think that's why they did the backstage bit as well. I think so too because it gave it that it gave it that little bit of realism a little mm-hmm. bit too to to show uh Ricochet going back in the gorilla and everybody's back there I mean you had granted it was all baby faces so it wasn't real realism but it was like wrestling realism 
And then you had Triple H come out from the corner of the screen. He gets this huge NXT dad pop that like, and then he gives him this really warm embrace. I mean, everything about Ricochet's win here was just the kind of shit you love about wrestling. The kind of shit that like still makes me happy about wrestling. And it was, it was absolutely unbelievable to see. It was fun. It was, I, I mean, like I said, I could go on all night about how, much i love this this match and like the reception it got and the crowd was hot for it everybody wanted i mean either way everybody would have been happy with this match overall but they wanted ricochet to win this match and when he did those people lost their shit and i lost my shit i stood up a little bit i was i popped like a ripe cherry i was fucking right in there man and it was great um but from that greatness, we go on to just something that was just flat out entertaining. Um, the WWE SmackDown Live Tag Team Championship match, uh, Heavy Machinery, Tucker and Otis against the champions, Br- Daniel Bryan and Rowan. This match goes about 14 minutes and 25 seconds. Um, I got to point out something right from the top here. Um, Daniel Bryan's hometown crowd was out for him. And they were they were cheering him and being the last bastion of the yes movement. And every single time Otis or Tucker got anything going, they would get booed out of the building. And Corey Graves, my brother, I love this man. To I've met him briefly once after uh, a thing in New York, and uh, I mean he's he's just a really cool guy. And he says on commentary. Getting booed should feel familiar because he grew up getting booed by his parents. Like, ah, oh, fucking, ah. Oh. Corey Graves. Corey Graves was like on his best Bobby the Brain impression this whole match. This whole that's, match. That's very 1999 Jerry Lawler. That line. That is very good. <laughs> that's like that's Heenan level, yeah, Lawler is. level, Fantastic. like class stuff. I mean, just absolutely brilliant. Um, uh, Brian and Rowan obviously get the win after about fourteen minutes and twenty five seconds. Um, the ch- the the chants in this cr- uh, in the crowd for this match were great. Please recycle, drive a Prius. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Daniel Bryan. I mean, they were. Out. I mean, I'm sure this is the first time Rowan's ever been cheered this hard, because holy shit, they were out for Daniel Bryan. Uh, what were your thoughts on the match? Yeah, this was a nutty amount of fun. This was the this was the right match for the card that they have. They got the to give them some praise. They got the scheduling of the matches bang on the money. I thought um, putting this after where you've just had the hottest match of the night probably like i think that's fair to say and you follow it up just brilliant ordering with the hometown guy um otis and tucker i'd not really seen a lot of but they were just a crazy amount of fun like they're fantastic they very much reminded me of too cool in their heyday you know when they would always put too cool and scotty too hotty and um Grandmaster Sex A and sometimes Rikishi out first on pay-per-views because they would just get the crowd so fucking hyped with their dancing and the attitude era. They had that vibe for me. But man, they they also meant business in the ring. Um, And they had that serious side to him. Otis less so than Tucker. Um, (laughs) Otis when uh, when Daniel Bryan would do the yes kicks and Otis was just doing his version of hulking up. 
Yeah, yeah. Just, it's just hilarious. The guy is so like. Um, I always used to think Rhino, who I love Rhino, but this isn't disparaging. I I, I love the guy, but he I've always thought he was very oddly proportioned as a human. But seeing Otis, man, <laughs> he's like is, a refrigerator. He's he, like a refrigerator. He's got really long arms and really short legs. <laughs> like, um, but he was he's brilliant. Um, crazy amount of fun. Daniel Bryan and Rowan playing the serious tag team to Otis and Tucker's kind of, they are a serious team, but their tactic is to kind of be leaning towards the comedic side of wrestling. Um, it's just crazy amount of fun. Driver Prius is possibly my favorite chant I've heard for years. Of, of all time, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Driver Prius is the most Washington State thing you could ever fucking hear. I was just like, listen to all of these hipsters just out there. And they were on themselves. They were just like, you know, dude, fucking plant a tree, bro. Get out there. Listen, man. Just go out there and recycle your clothes and drive a yeah, fucking yeah. Yes, you know like, my car runs on corn oil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all of them eating their fucking avocados in the front row, and uh, this match was fantastic. It was just a crazy amount of fifteen minutes of bullshit fun. Uh, well, I don't, I don't know if it's the right decision for Daniel and uh, not Daniel, Brian and Rowan to win. But it felt like the right decision. Uh, I don't really know the state of the tag team division. Um, you saw it. You saw it. Oh, what that you it? Saw it too, yeah. Pretty much. It's like where, them. Where are the Usos? They're on Raw now. Uh, I mean, okay. I I get that the the, the wild wild card. Card makes yeah. the rules really not apply, but over they're they're in a little feud with the uh, with the revival at the moment. Uh, they're they're doing a feud with the revival, which would sound pretty cool. But I mean, I'm assuming you didn't see the Uzi Hot segment. <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> the what? okay, okay. So uh, for as we divert real quick, the yeah. Usos uh, started to have a feud with the revival because they caught the revival shaving each other's backs in the shower, uh, and, and they filmed it and it got put up on the screen. Um, and then that started their feud. And then the following week they put like this, like icy hot, like muscle relaxing gel stuff. They called it Usi hot, but they put it in the trunks of the revival. Oh no. no. And, oh, I mean, look it up. It's pretty spectacular. Dash wild or no. dash wilder and Scott Dawson literally did the whole, you know, you ever had a dog who's had worms? Yeah. And yeah, I, I know you mean, they start running their ass on the floor they, and stuff. They did that on live television in 20... 20- oh, God. Oh, I'm guessing the Revival haven't signed new contracts. <laughs> um, yet. Yet. Uh, they are the current WWE Raw Tag Team Champions, so... Uh, okay, fair enough. And ever- why wouldn't they... This is one question that we should probably say for the end whilst we run down these matches, but, like, where was everyone? Where was Where was Finn? I didn't see the Miz at any point. Where the, um, fuck, was, where the fuck was everyone? 
Okay, I'm assuming the Finn Balor thing. I literally just thought of this now, but uh, I'm assuming that the Finn Balor thing is because he was in a program with Andrade. And on oh, Twitter, okay, yeah, yeah, I saw that on Twitter, unfortunately. A couple of people in Andrade's family passed away, sadly, uh, over the last couple of weeks. Wow. So that's maybe that's they that. just decided to to not, like, take any of the shine off of Andrade's push. They want to just, like, fuck it, we'll give these guys a couple of weeks off. Or we'll, like, take them off of TV, at the very least. Um, yeah, yeah, I saw that on Twitter, that's... Uh, not that he's listening, but obviously, shout out to Andrade. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Andrade, like, listen, man, like, uh, we've all been there where some people close to us have died, you know. Uh, have, some, we, have, have some Uzi hot, bro. Did, did you have to go with <laughs> cheap and talk? Um, but I, I, one more thing I want to bring up about this match really quickly before we talk about it more than the match was actually on. Um... That moonsault that Tucker gave to Brian, whoa! Yeah, good God, that's a um, that's a big boy. It's a big boy. Yeah, uh, like miss, like miss shooting his moonsault on a guy that just recovered from having like career-ending head injuries. So, like, maybe. Take a couple more weeks down at the PC and learn how to hit your mark, yeah. or stop doing moonsaults. Yeah, I mean, I can understand the. It's tough to say on moonsaults and four fifties and six thirties if you ricochet um, about hitting your mark because God knows how some of these guys do it and they're pinpoint accurate every single time. But obviously, that probably comes with experience. Um. Yeah, it's unfortunate. If it wasn't Daniel Bryan, I'm not sure if people would really talk about it. But obviously, we talk about Daniel Bryan. I remember watching the Survivor Series when he faced Brock Lesnar, and when he took that first German, I was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> that match was genuinely. That match is genuinely like uncomfortable to well, watch was, for the first ten minutes. Obviously, he's fine because he wouldn't be in the ring. Right, right. He developed. It was his... still. His whole new style, his whole new style that he works with now uh, is was built around trying to have a match with Brock Lesnar. And he got to have that match with Brock Lesnar. And I remember watching it. uh, I vividly remember watching it like it's it's like the fucking Kennedy assassination. I can picture it in my head like I remember being super uncomfortable. Yeah. Watching that show as well. But then it ends up being really great because he kicks Lesnar in the nuts and the rest is history. Yeah. Um, but this match, this match was utterly entertaining. I loved it. You could tell that the guys were ha- the guys in the ring were having a great time with it, especially with the way that the crowd was behind Daniel. It was fantastic. We move on to. Well, we've had a lot of fun on this podcast so far, ladies and gentlemen, but this is the part of the job that I really don't like the most. This is where the show falls off of a fucking cliff uh well for me at least for me uh this i, I mean i'll get into it a little it's later on when we interesting because I, I wasn't really i wasn't really bothered by much of this show like in a negative way so let's get in let's get into it yeah yeah um i'll get into it a little bit more with my ratings but this is a show of two halves for me 
And this is where the show... I uh, Okay, so WWE SmackDown Live Women's Championship match. Alexa Bliss with Nikki Cross at ringside facing the champion, Bayley. Um, I went from, okay, we needed a cool-down match after those last couple matches because how great they were, how fun they were, to, oh, this isn't very good, to, fuck, why isn't this match over yet, to, what the fuck is this, you know, still doing on my screen... And the match only goes 10 minutes and 30 seconds. Um, placement on the card didn't do this match any favors, but like, they, it just, they couldn't seem to do anything right in this match. I don't know if I'm just being too picky, but they destroyed, to an extent, I guess, they destroyed the Bliss and Cross relationship because that finish was weirdly executed. Bailey's placement. Like, she was wrestling sort of, like, as a tweener, but she was, like, expecting a heel, uh, I mean, a, a face response. Um, Alexa Bliss and Bailey don't really work that well together to begin with. Um, I haven't been a fan of any of their matches, let alone this one. Um, and it just seems like all of the digs that Bailey has been suffering, uh, at least through what I saw in the promo package, was, like, that they're taking shots at uh, Sasha Banks instead of Bailey, and Bailey is sort of like the scapegoat for that. Um, and Alexa Bliss is supposed to be on Raw, and she's challenging for the SmackDown Live Women's Championship. So, yeah, that's that's how fucking stupid the wild rule is. Is that we have a Raw superstar accompanied to the ring by another Raw superstar challenging for the SmackDown Live Women's Championship held by a SmackDown Live competitor through a segment that is based on a raw wrestlers like segment. I don't, it's I, it, I, I just, I fucking didn't like this match. I just didn't. I just didn't. Um, you were saying that you weren't too bothered by it. What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I thought this was pretty good to be honest. I thought it was entertaining. I didn't know that bliss and cross were meant to be on raw. <laughs> I kind of foolishly presumed that all these people were on the same show. Clearly. Uh, yeah, Bliss and Bailey. I think I have an expectation level whenever I'm watching an Alexa Bliss match because she's like we were talking about previously. She's a character more that like she's a good wrestler, but she's a character more than a wrestler. So I kind of have an expectation for what the quote-unquote work rate is going to be. Uh, the cross partnership was weird. Um, it kind of just played out kind of how you thought it was going to, which is one costing the other. Um, but Bailey's good. I thought it was a pretty good and well-worked match. I didn't think it, I personally didn't think it outstayed its welcome. Um, Bailey won, she won with the Bailey to belly, didn't she? Uh, I think. Yeah. 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 She, yeah, she which hit is her with my, the belly. Also favorite move of all time but otherwise off of uh, the uh the distraction from the weirdly timed finish uh yeah. where where like nikki cross rolls into the ring uh for those who haven't seen it and they're just sort of listening to us thank you we appreciate your patronage and we appreciate you listening to us uh but this is how this broke down um bailey is up on the second turnbuckle and uh alexa bliss uh i'm sorry alexa bliss climbs up to do twisted bliss yeah. And she is down on the mat. So just before Alexa gets a chance 
to pull off Twisted Bliss. Uh, Nikki Cross rolls in the ring, who had just been hit by like I think it was like a Lope, like a uh, like a uh, Bob Tope. That's it. Uh, I'm so used to calling them Lopez from doing commentary that like, um, but yeah, so uh, Bailey Lopez and like gets either pushed into it by Alexa uh, or, uh, or uh, Nikki decided to like push Alexa out of the way. That is as of yet unclear. We're 16 minutes away from the start of raw. So that is as of right now unclear. Um, but yeah, it's, and then Nikki rolls in, before Alexa, who looks like she's gonna win with the Twisted Bliss, like, and then and then Bailey like sat up, stood up, and then jumped onto the second turnbuckle, and then was pushed off by Alexa Bliss, who attempted to do Twisted Bliss again and then missed, and then Bailey picked her up, hit her with the Bailey to belly, and won. It's yeah. that it was convoluted. Uh, I thought it was fun enough. It was clearly meant to be. I think what is clear is they wanted Alexa Bliss on the card because she's wrestling again, which obviously she had a tough time with ever since the concussions and everything. Um, and I'm presuming that's why she made it onto the card because they didn't want to get her involved with Becky Lynch. If uh, I may, if if I may, really quick, you brought up the concussions thing. This like that stupid sunset flip buckle bomb that Bailey does. Why agree to do that if you just spent the last seven months on the shelf? You miss WrestleMania. I mean, you're the host of WrestleMania. I'm talking about Bliss, obviously. You're the host of WrestleMania, but you don't get to participate. You don't get to wrestle. You're on TV all the time. That's fine. But you don't get to wrestle for a handful of months. Seven months, I think think it was. And then you decide to let a buckle bomb happen? Like, come on. Like, it's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah, he's... People aren't normal people, are they? They're all a bit weird, but <laughs> clearly. But, yeah, I mean, she has a pig for a pet, so. <laughs> um, but I thought this was inoffensive. I didn't mind it. I thought they were. I, thought yeah. I was entertained. I was entertained by it because I wasn't bored at any point. Uh, it was pretty good back and forth. I like Bailey. I know she's not exactly Miss Popularity these days for whether you want to say that's character or booking or blah blah blah. Uh, I'm still entertained by Alexa Bliss is is great as a character, and I like characters more than work rate. Nikki Cross, I don't really get. I've not really seen much of her. I don't really get, but I'm presuming it's going somewhere. I'm presuming that's the story, and we're probably going to end up with Bliss v. Cross. Uh, I don't know. What's the next one? Uh, Extreme Rules. Car Park Brawl or something, whatever they're going to call it. But Extreme Rules, that'll do. Yeah, why not? Do it there. Do another kendo stick on a pole match. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, um, it was better than that match. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay, we can agree on that. That It was better than that shit show. Cause... Two years have passed, and there's clearly been improvement. <laughs> so, sure, what, what sure. We say? Um, um, but yeah, I think we've said everything we need to say. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so next up, we get a recap of the 24-7 title stuff. Um, yes, this is everything. That, yeah, we didn't get any actual 24-7 title stuff. We just got the stuff that you need to be on YouTube to watch, which everybody has YouTube. We've all seen it. Everyone Remember, is watching this. There are mil- Have you seen the hits this fucking title gets? It, it, yeah. It gets all millions. It gets all the hits. Um, <laughs> this is then fantastic. We, uh, this, is, this is 
just to interrupt and really put this over, this is everything wrestling should be. This is 100%. I want to see a man getting pinned at his own fucking wedding. <laughs> like, I want that. I want people to be asleep on planes like that Jinder Mahal one, getting pinned and losing titles. This is everything. I want, I want main eventers to be going after this title. Like, fuck the Universal title. I want to see Brock Lesnar cash in on Drake Maverick whilst he's out for a stroll with his wife. That's what I want. And then he can escape to his uh, his farm in Canada, yeah, where like and then he's just I want hunting Sable. people. I want Sable to pin for the twenty four seven title, whilst Brock is I don't know chopping up a bear carcass or something. Oh, that's funny. That does. I want Sable to then roll up Brock. That's that's funny. Pin. That's funny that you think that Sable's ever been on top for three seconds in that relationship. Um, <laughs> I agree, I agree, but the only thing that the 24-7 title is missing for me is uh, Michael Cole having to whisper, commentate a match for when somebody wins. My favorite thing in the on the fucking face of the planet, and I know you, you know this, anybody who works with us here at Rogue Opinions, you guys know this already because I've put this fucking thing over. If you have not seen it yet, look up Gerald Briscoe winning the <laughs> hardcore title in 2000, and Michael yeah. Cole's Michael Cole's well I you know what if if it's not too much trouble can you please just put uh Gerald Briscoe's the new hardcore champion yeah, at the end I'll of will, this podcast just so cuz it is it's my favorite thing in wrestling ever it's my favorite thing in wrestling I'll, ever I'm just going to say it I want them to go I want them to go nuts on this like I want I I know it's meant to be about the wrestlers and putting the wrestlers over but no I want um I was about to say Dash's Fuentes but she's gone I want Renee Young to roll up our truth at some point and take the title, uh, I want I want a random crowd member to win the title. Wait, wait, wait! I'm confused. I'm confused. You said Dasha's gone. Isn't Dasha Fuentes gone? I thought she was the one who who interviewed Heyman earlier in the evening. No, maybe I'm thinking. I don't know. I I get them, them all. I get them all confused. Gone. Like as I know, Charlie was on the pre-show panels. Yeah. Never mind. This doesn't matter. This does not matter. Um, yeah, 24-7 title is right now, I, I don't know what's happening in New Japan and Ring of Honor and um, uh, AEW and whatever else, um, but this is the best thing in wrestling. This, fuck it. You can take your six-star Tokyo Dome, Dave Meltzer, Wankathons, and you can shove it because Drake Maverick got pinned at his own wedding, so I don't care. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't care what Tanahashi's doing. In kayfabe, a woman... Oh, now, ladies, if you're listening to this crap, which I pr- I'm pretty sure you're not, but men that are presumably getting married at some point, would your girlfriend let you get up to the altar wearing a fucking title belt around your waist? Because I'm getting married. I, I have a fiance and I've pitched coming out to glorious, wearing a title belt, the whole nine just to you know bust her balls because it's funny. But like the level of frustration that I see in the woman I love more than anything else on the face of this planet's eyes, when I even jokingly bring up this woman who looked fantastic to, to steal to steal to steal a a line from the Godfather of podcasting, Conrad Thompson. This lady was roll tied. She was gorgeous in that dress. Okay, but to you think this woman was letting this tiny this tiny little man 
wear the fucking WWE 24-7 title around his waist at her wedding? Motherfucker, are you kidding me right now? Not, never going to happen. Never going to happen. So I call bullshit. We move on to Ricochet. Just a final thing I'll say. Whoever in WWE, whatever executive, approved of this idea, because I'm going to bet a lot of what I own that this was Drake Maverick's idea. Whoever said yes to this and Vince McMahon signed off on it, props. Because that was, it was fantastic. When he won on Tuesday, when he won on Tuesday, and I saw like, the, when he was dressed as Carmella in the cup, the first thing I said, the first fucking thing I said to one of my roommates was, "Oh my God, we're gonna get a twenty four seven title change at this fucking wedding." And so good. It's the only thing besides Samoa Joe Ricochet and the Firefly Funhouse that like had me like giddy again for WWE. I was looking forward. I was giddy like a fucking schoolchild. For like Drake Maverick to get pinned at his wedding, amazing. So good, but yeah, let's move on. We move on. We cut right to Ricochet uh, taking promo pics with the U.S. title after his win. The club shows up. Uh, also, AJ. AJ gets a huge pop because people are like Bullet Club, Bullet Club, or whatever. Um, and then he says he'll be sure to see him tomorrow night or in seven minutes on Monday Night Raw. So hopefully. That's the next program, and maybe we get some oh, sort of AJ. I'm presuming, presuming AJ's going heel, or has he been heel? Uh, no, no, he's uh, he had that match with Rollins at Money in the Bank, and he was sort of like a tweener. Um, and because like it was like sort of face versus face, um, but it was like just two good wrestlers having a, a like a really good match on pay per view, so whatever. We're glad the club are back together. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, if you, you listen to Cultaholic, so you heard Jack say this, yeah. but he thinks that it's just building up to, like, the match that they're having in Japan where it's, like, the club plus uh, AJ and Triple H because Triple H always wanted to be... <laughs> Why Triple H? <laughs> he wanted to be in the Bullet Club. Oh, God. From them, and they made it relevant again, and Triple H can't have that because he invented wrestling. He invented wrestling i wonder i wonder because triple h um to go, to go on a tangent which has been a lot of this podcast <laughs> i wonder how much is triple h he's a smart guy you can tell by watching nxt that he doesn't ever really involve himself he, he's never involved he could easily stick himself or Shawn michaels out there who are presumably backstage all the time and he doesn't. But then you watch the main roster and sometimes he's just shoved into things. And I wonder how much of it is him and how much of it is other people saying, oh, no, Triple H, yeah, you should totally team with the club in Japan. That's a real good idea, man. And he's just like, yeah, I guess so. Like, there seems to be a big difference between main roster Triple H booking and NXT booking. Uh, just, uh, I don't know. It's weird. I I agree 100%, but I just think it's funnier to think of Triple H getting, like, all excited. Like, oh, my God, guys, guys, we're going to Osaka, Japan. I'm totally going to be in the Bullet Club for the night. Oh, the other thing, my God. The other thing I'll say is he obviously doesn't have many years left in the ring, so it probably is also him ticking off bucket list things. Because, yeah, more than likely. Which is fair. Like, 
no one's saying the guy's not a draw and the guy's not going to get a reaction. It's not like fucking Kevin Nash coming back or something. <laughs> let's not let's not go down that route. But yeah, um, what, what was next? Was it Roman next, and Drew? This is Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns. They, up till this point, were the longest match on the card. Surprise, surprise. Uh, at 17 minutes and 20 seconds. Um, I'm just going to run through what I have written down here, and then I'm going to get your perspective on it, because I wrote most of this. Um, I wrote, okay, this first thing that I wrote, I wrote five minutes into the match. Drew rushes Roman at the beginning. Shane interferes. They battle back and forth. Dot, dot, dot. Roman wins. That's what happened in 17 minutes and 20 seconds. Um, commentary, Michael Cole in commentary said, Roman Reigns has now definitively put away, you would have to think he has now definitively put away Drew McIntyre. No, he did that at WrestleMania in nine minutes, and now in almost double the time in a more competitive match. Now I'd like to see this feud continue if they didn't have that bullshit impromptu match at WrestleMania. So, this match, on the other hand, was hampered by... Not being something uninteresting, it was hard-hitting, good, well done, etc. I just didn't give a shit. I didn't care. Shane interferes again after a really great sequence that ends with Roman, like, spearing him, and it looks like Roman's going to win. But then Shane comes in, and Roman overcomes the odds again, and there's much rejoicing. Yay for Roman. He beat cancer. But who fucking cares? Who cares? This was so uninteresting. It didn't matter. Like, there's like... I mean, listen, if all of this is leading to Shane McMahon becoming World Wrestling Entertainment Champion at SummerSlam, fuck it, I'm on board. But right now, I just don't care. And they're going to have a two-on-one handicap match with them tonight. So, whatever. <laughs> your your uh, take, Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, yeah, like, the match was good. It was very hard. It's just two big bastards hitting each other. Oh, it's not to love about that. Uh, Roman's real good at diving. Um, props to Drew for catching him on that dive as well, because it was very nearly missed, missed uh, this time, but it looked like Drew brought him down pretty safe. Um, halfway through this match, I was kind of like, man, I wish Shane McMahon was in this match. <laughs> wow. I, think that's when I, I think that's why when I messaged you and I was like <laughs> and I said something about Shane v. Kurt at King of the Ring yeah and, yeah, uh, yeah yeah the hardcore match I kind of just like anytime I see Shane McMahon I just want him to be in a street fight um, because they're always good um, I don't know this was my least favorite match of the entire card I can see was, that 100%. it was really long I kind of felt like I'd seen it before. Um, it was just, I really like Drew. I really like Roman. I don't mind them. They're, again, two big bastards just punching each other. Could have used more punching. Probably should have been 10 minutes. Uh, probably should have been a street fight. But then they've got extreme rules coming up. So why would they do that now? Wouldn't yeah. make sense. And I just kind of wish Shane McMahon was, did more Shane McMahon stuff. I like the coast to coast. That was cool. Yeah, I mean, it always looks good. Yeah, always looks good. The fact that the man can still do that at 50 is insane. Yeah, to me. unbelievable. Um, um, 
if they yeah I, I didn't i didn't it was my least favorite match but i didn't hate it it was just too long i don't know it didn't need to be this long the ending was kind of bullshit as well it just felt like the end of a raw match yeah absolutely 100 percent. it felt like a really like lame raw main event um if they had shaved seven minutes off of this match i think it would have been received better it would have been about as long as yeah. their wrestlemania match was and if i'm wrong if i'm wrong may may lightning strike me dead but i'm pretty sure their wrestlemania match was like nine minutes long and roman came out and essentially the same thing happened except this time drew looked more competent he didn't look like an idiot in the ring and i haven't been a fan of drew lately he's always weirdly like kneeling during his promos and he just sort of talks a whole bunch of shit or he's drinking and partying with Shane. Like I was really into him being around. Uh, and don't get me wrong. This match was very, very good. They both, it was performed. Well, there weren't any like glaring errors or botches or anything like that. These guys went out there. They kicked the shit out of one another. Shane got involved just as much as you think he would, but it, it just was not good. I mean, it just, who gives a fuck? That's what wasn't good about it. Who cares? I wish Elias was in it. That would have... I mean, if Elias had done something on this pay-per-view... Like just show, Elias just showed up and just done some Elias stuff. In fact, instead of this match, we should have just had an Elias concert. I, that would have been, that would I have been great. totally agree. And then Elias wins the 24-7 title, like, halfway through. This, uh, this, this show definitely could have done... Especially the second half of the show, could have done with some Elias. But moving on, uh, a promo for the Alexa Bliss 365 doc is shown. Um, I haven't watched it yet. I'm pretty sure you haven't watched it yet. But uh, it's interesting to see that they're willing to cover these things that go on within their own little bubble. Uh, whether or not there's a spin on them or something, you know, it's yeah. just good that they're covering it. They're always really good. Like the, the Kevin Owens one, I think, might have been the first 365 they did. I can't remember, but that was awesome. Uh, they do really good documentaries. Again, whether you're getting the entire truth or whether you're getting the WWE Universe version of things, that's up to you. But they're always really good. So, Yeah. Up next is the WWE Championship Steel Cage match between Dolph Ziggler and the champion Kofi Kingston. This match is the longest match of the evening, according to Wikipedia. And it goes, <laughs> it goes 20 minutes flat. Um... Phillips said on commentary, Kofi has never won a steel cage match in his entire career. That was surprising to me. I has understand. He ever, has he ever been in one? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's been in a few, but like, uh, I'm sure that he hasn't had a lot of opportunities to be in one. And so like 11 years and you have what, four or five steel cage matches. Like, I guess if you haven't won one, that's not that surprising, but on its face, like without thinking about it at all, like Hearing that a guy who's been in the business, been in the company over ten years, and hasn't won a steel cage match yet, like I just found that interesting. Has uh, Dolph ever been? <laughs> I'm trying to think. Scan through Dolph's entire career. Has he ever been in a steel cage match? Yeah, he he went out for a couple months because uh, Drew beat him uh, in a steel cage match after their uh, oh, their okay. yeah Drew beat him back when they were doing the three man bland thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> With like him and and Braun and uh, Dolph, um, and uh, they had a, they had a steel cage match and uh, Dolph so lost. It's um, it's June twenty nineteen. Um, why am I watching Dolph v Kofi? No idea. 
Um, another good match, but I felt I found myself not giving a shit about it. Um, the I okay. Let's let I'm gonna do the positives first. The super yeah. kick, the super kick into like into Dolph Ziggler when he fell back into the cage door and almost fell out of the cage door was a cool spot. I thought that was very interesting. Uh, catching the trouble in paradise uh, into working the ankle was also very good. The way Kofi Kingston beat Dolph out of the cage by just doing a tope like through the center rope out to the floor that was really cool. Overall, it was too long and I didn't care. Moving on. Yeah. That, um... <laughs> The exit was really like because I've always I've always wondered that like I literally always thought like why don't people just run and fucking jump <laughs> like because it's so you got the bouncy ropes all around there that could help jump you to the top you could just run out the door and for someone to actually finally go fuck I can just run and jump like a it really cements how dumb the door rule is on a steel cage match which yep. I've always not liked because it's like. The door. Why Fuck lock people door. in a cage and go, oh, but you can just walk out this door, guys? It's like, come on, guys. Because everyone has to crawl towards it, and it's fucking Ziggler. And it's the same whenever he's climbing a ladder. He's got to do it in a really over-the-top way. And um, so it's not a cage if it's got a door. It's just a room made of metal. and um, With no roof. Yeah, but I'm not sure how many times in my life I've seen Dolph Ziggler face Kofi Kingston, but I feel like it's more than I've ever had KFC, um, which is a lot. The, it, it, it felt very 2012. I expected Wade Barrett to interfere. Wow, damn. <laughs> uh, honestly, then, that would have made this match way more entertaining. If all of a sudden, surprising. <laughs> if all of a sudden, and forgive me, my my UK brother, forgive me for this, but if all of a sudden you just heard, oh, I've got some bad news for you, I would have lost my shit. I would have been like, yes, bitch, let's go. <laughs> and then uh, Teddy Long just makes a tag match. Holla, holla, holla. Uh, players. Um, you gonna face the Undertaker. Undertaker. Oh, but yeah, uh, it it was good, but too long and a bit boring. I really don't care about Dolph Ziggler as brilliant as he is. And I'm sure he's real good at stand up. But if he is, just go do that, man. I don't know why this match was happening, because apparently they had one in Saudi Arabia and Kofi won. So I don't get why this match like, are they? They're not lacking people. Why couldn't they put someone? Why didn't make it a triple threat? Stick um, I don't know. Stick Matt Hardy in there. I actually know the. Threat. I actually know the answer to that, Nate. Do you want to know why? Sure. Because they decided not to build this pay per view until they had two fucking weeks to build it. That's why. Yeah, but you can stick someone out. Like, they're not lacking established people. Why? Common sense. Common sense would dictate that it would be Randy Orton that would make like a credible yeah, challenger. We could have Randy Orton v Kofi Kingston in a cage match. Randy Orton could have called him stupid at some point, and then Kofi could have said it back like halfway through, and everyone would have been happy. Where was um, who was the guy that got the superhero promo? It looked like a Netflix Marvel show. Ali. Why would we put Ali in there? He was a fucking some kind of weird superhero guy. Um. 
just basically because there's no heat in that program. There's not, there's nothing to that program yet. They didn't have any time to build it. And like, they immediately set this match up like during super showdown, like Dolph lost, went into the back and complained to, um, Byron Saxton. And he bitched and moaned, uh, that, um, that because Xavier Woods got involved in the match, he uh, needed to have yeah. a rematch with Kofi where his buddies couldn't get involved. So they needed a cage. But then if you think you can beat him with as long as his buddies can't get involved, then what the fuck are you doing trying to climb out of the cage? Beat the guy. Beat yeah. him. Beat him. Why are you motioning to the referee that oh open the door? Because you you heard him you heard him say that fucking nine hundred times during this match. Oh, open the door. Open the door. No, don't open the door. Stay in there and beat the guy. If you think that you can beat him with, without his friends coming in to help you, then fucking beat the guy. Don't don't have him open the door. Because look at what happened. You lost anyway. Because you're a jabroni. Get out and go to the sun. Moving on. Mo- I'm moving on. I'm moving on. Moving on. WWE Universal Championship match where Corbin picks the referee. Baron Corbin, Seth Rollins, the champion. They come in at 18 minutes and 25 seconds. Corbin announces a special guest referee is Lacey Evans, which is met with the which is met with the immediate chant. Immediately once she comes out. This is stupid. Yes. Yes. This is stupid. Okay, listen, you're gonna have to take your hands and put them on the desk where I can see them. So traditional, dude. Best referee of all time. Uh, I'm going to disagree. Um, but she was fantastic. She really laid down the authority. But if I have to be, I'm. I mean, the positives for picking Lacey Evans is is that it makes sense. Uh, in storyline, it's a solid choice. Um, uh, if she wasn't total garbage as a referee, it would make a lot more sense. Um, she was real good. Uh, well, everything right. She was half pregnant on the like the heel, like heel special guest referee thing, where she didn't give Corbin enough time mm. to like do anything. She didn't count fast enough when Corbin. Yeah, it's, it's calling it down the middle. She's she's played. She didn't play sides. She was playing fair. Uh, call it down the middle. She wasn't going to give him a fast count. You want to win, Corbin, earn it. That's why you put someone with the authority. And the dignity and the class of Lacey Evans in charge of your match because you know you want a fair match. And you don't want Mike Kyoda or Charles Robinson or the uh, the other guy whose name's just forgive forgive me. John um, John Cohn. John Cohn. Yeah, yeah, you don't want them because they always fuck up. We see it every week. So you want someone with class. So you bring in Lacey Evans. But then Becky Lynch gets involved. And just sort of fucks the whole pay per view up by just being a. I don't know, man. I I get it. Are you done? Are you you done? (laughs) Uh, Seth Rollins and Becky are dating. It's brilliant. I don't give a shit. So uh, eventually, you know, Becky comes out because um, Lacey gives uh, Seth a low blow after changing the match several times to a no count outs. No DQ. The crowd is chanting bullshit and boring and Becky and Daniel Bryan and obviously the ever popular CM Punk chant. Um, the, like, 
like uh, she she stops counting before the three count because the disarmer from earlier like made her arm hurt because that that's what Graves said on commentary. That's what Graves said. As much as you were blowing Lacey Evans just now, Graves was all Graves was on point tonight, and that I appreciate it. Funny. It is pretty funny great. It's pretty. <laughs> But Lacey Evans, <laughs> Evans ends up giving this like really awkward low blow to Seth Rollins, where her arm just hangs. Oh, she went for it. She went for it. She went for it. She was measuring his shoe size. He was trying to determine what religion he was. She, he got a free prostate exam off that one. Like, <laughs> like I don't know. But eventually, John Cohn comes down to replace Lacey after she was getting mollywopped by uh, <laughs> by by uh, Becky. Then curb stomp, Seth wins. And then hang out on Becky and Seth, uh, just like nearly being boyfriend and girlfriend uh, on screen for a little while. And you could tell both of them were really awkward about it. Like they obviously either one of them or both of them kind of didn't want any of this to be happening. Um, My problem with this is no Brock Lesnar. We get a uh, a promo from Kofi Kingston at the top of, of the ramp at the end of the last match where he says, I didn't think I was going to walk out of w- out of this pay-per-view as the WWE champion, but I did it, baby. And right then and there, all you need is dun, 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 dun. dun, dun. Yeah, that would have been really cool. Instead, you get nothing. So my brain, after watching wrestling for 20 years, is thinking, oh, well, that means Brock is going to come out at some point during the Seth match. Then you get... You get this whole thing where Becky and Seth are hanging out. They're hugging. He kisses her on the forehead. They hang out on the apron so people can take pictures or what the fuck ever. And then they walk out and you follow them through the curtain. The logo comes up on the bottom of the screen. And thanks to TakeOver, I don't trust those anymore. So, like, the logo comes up on the bottom of the screen. And then it fades to black. And it's like, well, what the fuck was Paul Heyman doing on the screen at the beginning of the show? Like, like... What? 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 Yeah, I don't really get it. Um, I get they want to make a big deal out of Becky and Seth being together because they're a power couple, and presumably they signed off on it because well they decided to go public. So, and in the reality era where we live in a world where internet fans wouldn't let Renee Young commentate a Dean Ambrose match without going fucking apeshit about her not mentioning the fact they're married so I kind of understand well I don't understand if people are then going to be a little bit pissed off that Seth and Becky are dating and WWE making a deal of it because you can't have it both ways you can't rag on Renee Young and then also rag on Seth and Becky for being public like you cut like what do you want um but I also don't think they need to be like, oh my god, they're the royal couple, guys. They're basically turned them into Will and Kate for a night. Um, I mean, you, you guys know what a Baron Corbin match is going to be. It needs to be filled with bells and whistles, and you, you got them. I thought Lacey Evans was put in a tough spot, though. Again. Because she's not mega popular, and people obviously expected Brock Lesnar and they got Lacey Evans. So. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's kind of like, what was it? Was it Fastlane where everyone thought Kofi Kingston was going to get a title match and then they threw Mustafa Ali out there and you were just like, oh my God, what have they done to this guy? <laughs> like, No, honestly, it was the other way around. Uh, Ali got injured 
and they threw Kofi out there, and all of a sudden they had this like wave. No, of Kofi. what was the? Yeah. It, it was the fast lane one when it was meant to be KO against Brian, and then they made it a triple threat on the night, and Ali got put in there after Kofi was in a handicap match against the Bar. Oh, true, 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 true. Yeah, and then Ali unannounced was just put in the spot that Vince McMahon said Kofi was going to get. And then everyone was like, we don't know whether to cheer this guy. We like him, but he's not who you said we were getting. <laughs> exactly, so. and they've been they've been guilty of that a lot. Um, so, um, honestly, uh, t- like I said earlier, this is a tale of two shows for me. Uh, the first set of matches were awesome and entertaining. But at least the last three matches just went from bad to worse, save for the way Kofi won and somehow a worse than expected Universal Championship match that had had an okay ending. We got no Lesnar, nothing new with the 24-7 title, and my love for wrestling just depletes sometimes. (laughs) After the highs, after the highs of that Ricochet and Samoa Joe match to where we were at the end of the show. It's just like, I mean, we're 16 minutes into when Raw has started. Uh, I'm not watching it. I know Nate's not watching it because we're we're just, we're recording for you guys right now. Um, but I guarantee you, I haven't fucking missed anything. And I'm sure you guys haven't either. Um, so if I had to ask you for a rating, um, I, gave, I gave myself options for rating. So do you want to do this out of five or thumbs? Uh, I'll go out of five if you want. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, so, what would your rate? What would you give this out of five? I, oh God, I've just checked the hashtag for Raw as to what's happening. Oh God, <laughs> um, I'll give this a three and a half. Uh, I thought this show was really fun. I also didn't think it was. I don't remember. It wasn't very long um, for a WWE show. Which, bear in mind, the expectations of those are about seventeen hours. Uh, <laughs> God, yeah, you're gonna right. be so angry when you see what's happening on the Raw. <laughs> no, <laughs> why? What's what's going? On? If you haven't watched Raw yet, like I don't know, just, put your fingers just, in your ears. Yeah. <laughs> Skip ahead thirty seconds. What's going on on Raw right now? Uh, winner take all. Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans are coming oh! for everything. <laughs> An extreme rules. The so mixed instead, tag match is happening. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. So instead, instead of giving Baron Corbin one more rematch at the fucking gimmick pay-per-view where he doesn't need to have a referee, it's totally on one of the uh, one of the competitors in the match to say, I quit. You could give them an I quit match and then still have Seth. Mm, fucking. Oh, for fuck's oh sake. man, that's a real good. There's a real good eight man tag coming up on Raw, apparently. Uh, Usos in New Day. The Daniel Bryan Rowan and the Revival. All right, that that'll be fun. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think three and a half. I thought the show was pretty fun. Uh, the main event, I just didn't really get it. The trouble is, I was lacking so much context. But then the context sounds like it would make the show worse for me. So yeah, um, I wish Shame at Man did some more crazy Shame at Man stuff. Uh, I wish Lacey Evans won. Um, I would have liked to have seen The Miz. I always liked The Miz. And I didn't get to see The Miz. Uh, that's a real big bummer for me. Um, I don't know. Yeah, three and a half. Baron Corbin probably shouldn't be in main events. But he's still good. And too much, like, 
you're right. I think everyone that like, I wasn't so much expecting him because I didn't realize how a big deal of it was. But now that you've explained it, like Brock Lesnar probably should have been on this show in any capacity, even if he just teased a cash in and then got fought off by someone. Like imagine if you went to cash in and then Becky Lynch just booted Brock Lesnar in the nuts. That'd have been how fucking, great would that be? That would have been fucking amazing. I bet the how, crowd would have gone nuts. How fucking great would that have been? Right. And then they Lacey Evans, Brock Lesnar goes to do a cash in, and then Becky Lynch comes out of the crowd and just boots him in the balls. Just boots him in the nuts, and then they both take off like thieves in the night, and they're gone. Yeah, that would have been a great ending, and it could have been like. Like you never had, you didn't have to have Brock Lesnar actually cash in. Like the, you could have done that. Oh, the bell never rang thing, and then he could have kept the briefcase. But instead of the fight off Lacey Evans again, like Becky Lynch booting Brock Lesnar in the balls, that would be like it wouldn't be as big, but it would have been ex- kind of similar to when Linda kicked Vince in the nuts at WrestleMania uh, two thousand one, whatever that one was. It would have been the same as. What was that one? It's made 17? Yeah, 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 17. Yeah, yeah, 17. yeah. Like, it wouldn't have got that big a reaction because obviously everyone lost their fucking mind for that. But um, that would have been great. I don't know if Brock would... I'm sure Brock would have gone for that. He always fights smaller people and has great matches with them. I think but, he would have taken a kick to the dick from from, uh, from from Becky. I think that would have been hilarious. It would have been he, awesome. He clearly doesn't have issues with selling for smaller people because... That's when he does his best work, even going back to when he fights, when he was fighting um, Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle isn't a big man, so he probably would have gone for it, especially if it's from behind and it's just a kick in the nuts. But if Becky Lynch elbowed Paul Heyman in the face, slid in the ring and booted Lesnar in the nuts to save Seth, that would have been fucking, in fact, I'm angry that didn't happen. And I didn't get to see The Miz. Yeah, and, I mean. And no Elias. No Jinder Mahal on any of this show uh r-truth didn't uh, i don't even know if he's a champion at the moment but r-truth didn't do any 24 7 stuff well, as of, i'm gonna as give of, a minus two as of the wedding as of the wedding he was the 24 7 champion so sick but yeah three and a half i thought it was damn fun i thought it was a lot of fun just the main event was probably a bit lackluster the cage match went on forever but everything else was really good um so um, I'm giving it uh, a 2.5 out of 5, um, the definition of thumbs in the middle, or the, uh, the what, what was it? Uh, it's a colon forward slash emoji, the eh emoji. Um, the first half of the show was really great. I loved, like, everything pretty much from the first half of the show. Ricochet Samoa Joe was absolutely match of the night. Um, and Raw just dashed my hopes and dreams for something competent. For next month. So as of as of right now, we're gonna start wishing you guys a good evening. Um, Nate, your plugs? Yeah, uh, you can find me at Nathan Greenway on Twitter. Look for Rogue Opinions as always at Rogue underscore Opinion. Let us know what you thought of Stomping Ground. Check the podcast feed as well. Kayfabe, a new Kayfabe Court went up yesterday. Oh, I guess two days ago now because it's now nearly half one in the morning here. Um, the other day, the final episode of the original Life is Strange review with myself and Carl went up earlier yesterday now um, as well. So go check that out. We'll be moving on to the next series before the storm starting next week as well. 
plenty of other stuff up as well. Double or Nothing reviews, Dominion reviews. Uh, we created a band the other week. That was pretty cool. Uh, I'm sorry. You're, you're underselling it. Coca-Cola Presents Generations <laughs> Beyond the Sun. Yes. Was well, fucking legendary, phenomenal. Legendary stuff. Absolutely um, legendary. Website is, website is coming. I'm just finalizing bits on that, and I'll be sitting down with someone else that we're working with on Friday um, who's going to be doing articles for us, and then that will be uploaded by this coming weekend. So get ready for rogueopinions.com. It's on its way. Back over to you, Jimmy. Um, well, as you were saying, we, uh, you know, definitely please go back and check out our archive stuff. But this week we are starting a, we are content heavy over the next couple of days, uh, as of the last couple of days and moving forward, uh, me and, uh, Scott McLeod, we're starting off on a retro SmackDown journey. We're going to be starting with the first episode, uh, next week. You guys can start looking forward to those, uh, our very own intrepid, uh, reporter slash podcaster Raul Isnani has a very special guest for a very special podcast that's going to be coming out sometime next, uh, sometime during the week. Um, so please stay tuned for that. Um, go follow me on Twitter at Mr. Riot. That's M R R I zero T because Counter Strike was a thing when I was a kid. And um, stay stay tuned to the socials uh, at MC Pod twenty three is my other podcast. Uh, we're getting started on possibly getting some content up as well on that end and yeah uh this went a little bit longer than i think we we were planning on but uh honestly i think this is maybe one of our best episodes yet um so if you guys like this and you guys like the rest of this stuff don't hesitate to check us out tell your friends leave a five-star review on itunes um or have your friends do it either way uh we're here we're going to be keep doing it for you here at rogue opinions so for Mr. Nathan Greenaway, I am Jimmy Baxter. We will catch you next time here on Rogue Opinions. Good night, y'all. Bye now. Gerald Briscoe, the hardcore champion. Gerald Briscoe with the hardcore champion. It's a good thing you don't have any music. You wake up pretty soon.